you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. The Around the NFL Podcast is the true star of Hard Knocks. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. It's it's time for the draft to get here, as uh, Trevor Lawrence could clearly attest to. That here's the here's the comment that Trevor Lawrence made in SI that led to a firestorm in the sports talk world. I want people to know that I'm passionate about what I do and it's really important to me, but I don't have this huge chip on my shoulder. That's everyone's out to go get me and I'm trying to prove everybody wrong. I just don't have that. I can't manufacture that. I don't want to. He gets killed for it and Greg, he has to go on social media and clarify his thoughts. That's draft madness in a nutshell, especially this time of year. That is one of the dumbest storylines that we've ever heard in NFL circles. And that's saying a lot for the offseason. But I would put this near the top. Our network, ESPN, like people going back and forth about what this all means. And I thought like I was losing my mind watching it. What am I crazy? Like where where were you guys at with that? That that like a person couldn't find motivation in different ways other than slights that there aren't all sorts of ways that athletes and people who are great at anything find motivation that ultimately motivation from within might be better than than like needing to find it from some outside source i don't know i I could not be more with you i would just say like i am definitely someone that um i get motivated by negative things that happen to me um negative things that are said to me or about me um, that will fire me up, but do I think that that's healthy? No. And do I think that's the only way that an athlete could be motivated? No. And do I think this is the most ponderous um, storyline that has been dropped into our laps um, all off season? Yes. It's it's the Brady effect. I mean, it, ever since Tom Brady became the most famous case in sports history, in American sport history, of finding motivation from slights and becoming the goat. Now that's got to be the path that everyone takes. And Jordan, uh, it's like we're just Jordan, coming off of the last dance, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you know, of course. Uh, and uh, it's funny because Trevor Lawrence is one of the great prospects uh, that we've had come into our league, it, really since Peyton Manning, they say. But you haven't heard a lot about him because the way the draft industrial complex works, there's no there's no reason to talk about a guy that you know is going number one, but. I'll just say this about him, and I'm, I've come to peace uh, as a Jets fan not getting him. They would have had to go 0-16 to get him, as it turns out, and only two other teams did that in 40 years or whatever. So that was just that was, that was was probably not in the cards. But when you look at this dude, 
he he strikes, and this is coming from not a non-college football fan, so I don't I haven't seen him the last couple of years as much as other people. He looks like the the version of a quarterback prospect superstar physically. I mean, if you could go back and redo a Jerry Maguire and replace Kush's character, Jerry, Jerry O'Connell, it would be Trevor Lawrence. He looks like he's cut out of granite and was destined to be one of the great quarterbacks ever. So Jaguars fans who are kind of been in the background, despite being in the very front, uh, there's every reason to be so excited about this dude, because not only is he have this impeccable uh, pedigree and his the success he's had, he just looks the part. And I think that matters. And it's part of why no one's ever doubted him before. I mean, no one has right. doubted him. I'm glad you brought up Manning. Who had, who doubted Peyton Manning? Did you get a sense that Peyton Manning became one of the all-time greats by checking off people on the list who didn't think he was going to make it? No. Everyone thought he was going to make it the whole time, and he did. Right. Because These he guys loved are football. Because he loved – and, like, you don't get to where Trevor Lawrence is without, like, an incredible – desire to get there too or enough desire and i don't know i guess i i watched some of the coverage and i realized look i i'm not motivated by slights in general like it but but i understand that everyone is different and i and i couldn't get over just like the arguments between people that like didn't recognize that maybe maybe other people didn't get where they are like maybe they got to where they are in their lives for different reasons than you did like there's all sorts of ways that people we're just wired differently and like he's just being honest about what he knows about himself and you know it completely spun out of control i mean i i found the only joyful thing on the draft coverage coming out of last week was this zach wilson chipotle um, burrito ad. I I I find him quite delightful, and um, I haven't he, seen you know, that. I need oh, see. Dan and I were texting because I also think I you know <laughs> Zach Wilson is I we are t- more than twice some of these guys' age. I am at least, and like he is the youngest looking quarterback prospect I can remember ever in my life. I mean, he to me looks fourteen years old. He could pass. He's there's no way he's getting into bars. Uh, the way he looks right now. I mean, Dan and I aren't twice his age, you know, yet. So I, I, I did clarify between, that, that I am yeah, titanically and... older than you because I was born like <laughs> six and a half years before you or something. <laughs> here, Here is Zach Wilson, just for the record, uh, just to have it um, for everyone. Because I am having this burrito, by the way. I've already decided this. There's a Chipotle right down the street from my new house. Um, I'm going to order this. And on draft night, if things go the way everyone sees it, I will be having... Zach's go-to, which is white rice, black beans, chicken, tomatillo, green chili salsa, and guac. That's pretty good. Pretty they, good. they better call it just like the Zach. I mean, at least in the New York, New Jersey area, correct? Well, that'll be a Depends. good. Um, that'll be a good <laughs> like test of it that. because if you eat that right when he's picked, and we wait until after the first round, um, you know, to tape the podcast, we can just see where you're at. You know, see how, <laughs> how it goes. Are you guys like talking about this? Like, this is some huge, like, that's like, there's only like three it's, yeah, ways. Yeah, it's the most, it's also the most basic order ever. It's like, it's like, I'll have the plane, but basically, I'll have the average stuff that you put Don't on. Don't rain on our parade. We, well, we enjoyed I just, the I just, Have you been to Chipotle? Like, I'm just confused. What? Yes, we've every, been there. What do you mean? Basically, it's a build your own burrito establishment. Yeah. And you put in any ingredients you want. I mean, this. But his are just kind of like almost like the most basic standard. There's not much flavor to it. Yeah, it's like hold on. Hey, I'll just have a burrito. Excuse me, basics. Um, There are like (laughs) there are multiple types of tortillas you can pick, and there are at least eighteen to twenty different ingredients. Right, and he chose like three most common ones. There are like thousands of different ways you could build your own burrito. So it's not just there's just one. Chicken and guac and white rice. Right. My my. I think the point is he chose like the most. You know, You're like there wasn't anything like... special to it. It's probably one of the most popular orders, right? Zach Wilson. So that's good. That's good branding. I feel like you guys um, are missing something here. No one's saying yes. He's trendsetting here. It's just what he likes, and I'm going to get that to celebrate him. Like maybe your beloved Lamar Jackson, Greg, has an order at Chipotle that's so off the charts that people bow down when he gets in line <laughs> uh, because it's just so different. It's not really what Chipotle is about. It's no, I'm glad that, you clarified likes. because that's what they that. are about, though, is giving celebrities uh, and like Zach Wilson a card that they can get one free burrito every day 
for the rest of their lives. And so that's a pretty good offer. Zach Wilson can that. go there. Go, that's too much Chipotle, though, isn't it? That's well, you don't have to go every day, but just right. anytime you feel well, like according it's according to our buddy uh, Tice that was on the show last week, maybe Zach could use a couple Chipotle burritos to build up a little bit of that frame. Sure. So I'm not against <laughs> yeah. that either. All right. Remember, we had an editor in our uh, newsroom, Max Meyer, who um, would go to Chipotle and get two giant burritos. That was his lunch. And this, this guy weighed about 140 pounds. And would always order double, um, whatever he went. Did he order a chicken? He'd order two full chickens and bring it back to the newsroom and eat it. I was mystified by his eating habits, but uh, that word. That's sometimes a little bit of a, like a a muscuny guy with a big appetite trick is you order something huge and then people just go, whoa, dude, I didn't know you had an appetite like that. (laughs) And then you check in about 15, 20 minutes later and like a quarter of the burrito is gone. And that's why he's 145 pounds. I'm not saying Max was somebody that was doing that. I don't know if he was housing the two burritos. And if he was, he's a miracle of modern science. Let's, let's just be honest about it. We need to investigate further. Skinny guys who over order as a move to fake make it seem like they can put down a lot of food is on Dan's radar. I wouldn't have guessed that. I wouldn't have guessed that was a thing. Yeah. No, I always – I mean, I clean the plate, as you could tell. Like, if I get a big burrito, I eat the big burrito. Well, you so go out so- with me. I'm a healthy eater. I don't over-order anything, but I, I'll put if, – if it's good, I always put it down. I'm right there with you. I, no, you're I've not on the radar. Greg don't large worry. meals, though. You, yeah. you, Greg is a large meal guy. Not a veiled shot of Greg there. Yeah. Not a I'm a Meyer. Not a Meyer. I love Max. I hope he's doing well wherever he is. Um, S-I, all right. SI.com. Yeah, he's running the he gambling. How about that? Did he write the article on Trevor Lawrence? I don't know. He could have. Um, I, I don't think so. Uh, we're going to talk some MVP odds. Greg is just like feeling himself right now uh, because the NFL entered into a official partnership on multiple levels in the uh, sports betting industry. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in, the, in today's show. Uh, but while we're in that realm, yes, MVP odds. Uh, Vegas is post those, and it inco- includes quarterbacks, of course, but all different position players. So we're going to go through uh, those. And uh, first, though, we will start with some news, including the retirement of an all-time good guy. The 49ers send two receivers wide right, two tight ends wide left. Smith in a gun with Gore on his left hip. Third down, Alex takes the snap. Alex looking, he's got it. Post, and it's good. Caught, touchdown, touchdown, 49ers. <laughs> Vernon Davis with the play of his life. Alex Smith with the play of his life. And the 49ers are nine seconds away from playing for the NFC Championship. Can you feel Candlestick? See, that's why, boys, you cut the radio call on the flagship show, not the TV call. KNBR, years ago, uh, to me, if I look at the great playoff games in the history of the NFL in the 21st century, that division round matchup, uh, I believe it was divisional round, between the Saints and the Niners at Candlestick, where Alex Smith went toe-to-toe with Drew Brees, uh, peak Drew Brees, and came out on top with that big throw. That's my favorite Alex Smith memory, the former number one overall pick, uh, announced via Instagram that he was retiring after 16 seasons in the NFL, seven with the Niners, um, who chose him first, as I said, back in 2005. Five with the Chiefs and then three more with Washington. He's the reigning comeback player of the year. Everyone knows the story of the broken leg, and he nearly lost the leg and his life, for that matter, a couple years back. Here's a little bit of what Smith had to say in his Instagram goodbye post. Two years ago, I was stuck in a wheelchair, staring down at my mangled leg, wondering if I'd ever be able to go on a walk with my wife again or play games with my kids in the yard. Putting my helmet back on was the farthest thing from my mind. I just kept asking myself, all this for a stupid game? But then someone did something that changed my recovery completely. He put a football back in my hands. I don't know what it was, but all of a sudden I felt stronger, more driven. And what once seemed impossible began to come into focus. Mark, this guy had one of the more interesting NFL careers. Yeah, it's, you know, I I even was thinking about our own our own podcast that um, 
you know, when he was, uh, you know, before he sort of became this guy that we think of today, I think he's largely critiqued because he was just a starting quarterback that, um, you know, to me felt sort of in the Andy Dalton line world of things on some level. And, um, you know, I was not a, an elite guy and was someone that, you know, was replaced by Colin Kaepernick and replaced by Patrick Mahomes. But I really think when he maximized his play, he was deadly accurate. Um, he was smart. He was reliable. And he morphed into this person over these years that I, to me, just it's it's something about um, who he decided to become. And it's sort of a study of what's inside a person. And mm. I grew to really love Alex Smith because of that. And one little memory, um, I was, you know, in the media room um, when before Baltimore and San Francisco had that Super Bowl. And, you know, everyone's milling around and there's various tables of players. And Alex Smith came in um, with his wife, I believe. Uh, and, you know, he was just in street clothes and he wasn't going to play, you know, and everyone wanted to ask him about, you know, being replaced by Colin Kaepernick. He could not have been... Um, a kinder, warmer, um, more honest and engaging person. When, you know, other quarterbacks, other players might run away from that and not want to deal with that. Um, that's when I was up close to him and I just saw the person and you can feel the energy coming off someone. And I understand why he was someone who became totally beloved by the end of his career with the players that he played with, the coaches and the people that covered him. There, there's so much, you know, rightful appreciation of what he did in Washington but I think if you go back to the beginning of his career, you see that he was defined by that sort of toughness because his rookie season wasn't just bad. It was one of the worst rookie seasons any quarterback has ever had in the history of the NFL. And he was a number one overall pick. You, there was one of, if you look back at like DVOA, you know, like the worst offenses of the last 20 years, there it is, the 2005 49ers and I remember co covering at the time like what a fiasco that was Mike Nolan was his coach and people had sort of given up on Alex Smith the next year they get North Turner as his offensive coordinator he's okay he 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 comes back and you're like okay maybe this guy's gonna have a career when people had already given up on him but later on like he was benched for David Carr and Troy Smith they they chanted David Carr's name during Monday Night Football while Alex Smith was playing. This is four years into his career at the time when we've already given up of most guys. And the fact that he ends up being so good in San Francisco to have a moment like you just uh, mentioned, Dan, in that awesome divisional round game. And then he goes to Kansas City where they weren't excited about him. He went fit. You know, the team went 50 and 26 while he was there. He, and I know it's like, OK, it's not a quarterback stat. That's true. Well, he. he you know, touchdowns and interceptions are a quarterback stat. He threw 102 touchdowns with 33 interceptions while he was in Kansas City. So, like, to have the sort of career that he had after the start that he had, which wasn't, like, a bad year that I mentioned. It was a very rocky five years as a number one overall pick with all the criticism in the world. And then to carve out what he did, you sort of saw the man and the quarterback that he was um, before he got to Washington and ended up kind of showing the whole world like what a kind of what character he had because he he was a badass and he he maxed out that's all you can ask. Seventeen surgeries on that leg after that grizzly break and there was a ESPN special on it that detailed uh, that he not only nearly lost a leg he could have died it was it was that touch and go so the fact that he came back uh, and played last season and started for a Washington team that eventually made the playoffs is. Is amazing. I think it's also interesting um, that he was considered in Jacksonville as a backup to most likely Trevor Lawrence, and that Jacksonville's medical team came back spooked by what they saw. And it makes you think about what he played through last season and how much danger he pro he probably was in. Uh, and it just makes it all that more courageous and crazy that he he uh, did come back to play after what happened. I just think he had one of the most um, interesting roller coaster careers mm -hmm. um, from where he was number one pick, the guy that got picked way before Aaron Rodgers, and he had to live with that. And then to go on the rise and have those big playoff moments. You remember the game against Andrew Luck, that shootout that he was on the wrong side of um, in 2014, I want to say, um, 2013 season. Uh, just a crazy career. And Mark, I was there too. That was the first uh, Super Bowl. Um, where we were kind of covering the teams day to day. And he was such a class act. That was so hard to sit there. And the only questions you're getting was, Hey, you were one of the top rated passers in the NFL. You get a concussion and Colin Kaepernick takes your job. 
that must suck. And he just sat there <laughs> and was a soldier that entire Super Bowl week, which is not easy to do because the guy, the blindside guy, the offensive lineman that same year, everyone asked him about the blindside, the movie, and Michael Orr just lost it. He couldn't take it by the end of the week. <laughs> and that was a positive story about it. Right, right. Uh, no, anyway, I, that's Super Bowl I, week. Yeah, just a, a truly memorable guy. And, um, you know, I think it's sometimes when it's the same narrative last year over, it's like comeback player of the year, comeback player that you can kind of just start to become numb to it. Um, mm. But it's like the more you kind of meditate on what he went through, I haven't had 17 surgeries or even two or one. I don't even, I couldn't even comprehend what he went through as an athlete. And I think that's why other athletes that have been through that hell, because I think rehab and that stuff is a lonely world. And when you look mm. at what he went through, um, they just have ultra respect for him to get back on the field. But I would say it was kind of hard watching him last year because you were worried for him. And I wonder if that factored into Jacksonville's medical team saying this is just yeah. uh, a little bit of a dangerous proposition. Well, he also was replaced by two of the biggest sports NFL figures of the last 20 years. The fact that he was replaced by Kaepernick and probably always had it in his head, could have I won the Super Bowl? Could have I led this team to the Super Bowl? I was playing, you know, Smith was playing awesome that year and they were winning with Smith. Um, To be replaced by Kaepernick, to be replaced by Mahomes, who becomes the, the face of the league, it's like it's like that dumb argument about the Hall of Fame that you can't tell the story of the sport without this guy, so he should make the Hall of Fame. No, that's because you can't tell it without Alex Smith. Doesn't mean he's a Hall of Famer, but like he has sort of had a cross section with some of the most fascinating figures in addition to his own uh, career. In other news, OTAs voluntary, they say, but are they? It's it's a bit of a a tricky gray area in the NFL, and this year with uh, COVID-19 still very much uh, part of our world, uh, there are many teams and many, many players who are not going to be involved in person with OTAs. On Wednesday, uh, the league issued memo a memo to all 32 teams announcing that the first four weeks of the voluntary program will be virtual before transitioning to in-person work at the team's respective training facilities. All of this last year was done virtually and training camp got pushed back because uh, of COVID. Um, and more than half of the league's 32 teams uh, have announced via the player union that they won't participate in voluntary off-season workouts. Greg, what, is it, what does it mean to you what's happening here? It's worth watching. You kind of the fact that the NFL announced that it's all virtual till May 18th anyways, that's sort of the push point where we find out more because I think there's some thought that, that players who have certain workout bonuses that they want to get, they might show up. Some of the younger players, they might show up. There's teams like the Panthers who haven't put out a statement and they actually have already started their off-season program, most of it's virtual, but there are guys going into the facility and lifting weights. It's interesting because it, what it seems to be is the players are pushing for a more permanent uh, virtual off-season. This isn't all about COVID, and we'll see, we'll see where that goes. That that was my takeaway too. That I do I think it's about um, overarching fears about catching COVID. Now they like the, the Steelers put out a letter that basically said the protections that were in place last year are not fully in place now and remain unclear. So I think they want more clarity about what's happening. But I look at J.C. Treader's letter, and I'll read this real quick. He said that many of the changes this past year, like no in-person off-season workouts and practices, the extended acclimation period before training camp, and no preseason games, gave us a year of data that demonstrates maintaining some of these changes long-term is in the best interest of the game. I think that we have a very strong players union under Treader right now, and they are trying to minimize um, and take away lessons from last year. And right now it's just sort of like you can put it on on Corona or COVID, but I think it has to do more with the culture of the off season to some degree. And I'm um, also with, you greg we'll see how this how strong the union and the players are come may because there's a lot of money on the line a lot of these a lot of players have contracts where it's built into their bonuses to be at these voluntary otas so if you really want to take a stand uh and across the spectrum some guys are going to get hit hard in the pocket and others are not going to be at all and that's that's a bit of a schism i think that could lead to some testiness um within the union as well so interesting situation we will track it here 
on the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, what's the latest with Deshaun Watson? Uh, let's see. Attorney Rusty Hardin has filed an answer to the 22 lawsuits filed against Watson. And according to Watson's legal team, they have, quote, already uncovered evidence that numerous allegations in this onslaught of cases are simply not true or accurate. From March 16th to April 14th, 23 lawsuits were filed against Watson. One has been dropped for now. So it stands at 22. And um, very aggressive, Greg, the Watson camp on this, calling it a cash grab uh, by people involved uh, with the allegations. So if there was a thought that Watson is going to quietly try to settle this or or go a different route, it seems like uh, his team is going all out trying to get uh, the quarterback cleared. Yeah, it's it's tricky to talk about this without trying to discuss the merits of each side, which we're not really in a position to do. But I did have takeaways, and one of them was that, Dan, that this is going to last, that he's fighting it, that civil cases usually don't go to court, but this he seems like he's fighting it as, as hard as he can, and so that this could be a long process, and, and, it, and it could go to court. And then the other part is, is more just about the media's coverage of it. I just... I, I am a little wary of making sure that both sides, for instance, are represented well because I, I think it, it's tricky. This is something everyone is uncomfortable talking about. The higher you go up, I think people are uncomfortable talking about it. But I, I just hope everyone is using that same energy that they're using passing Watson's agent side of things and their lawyer side of things to the 23 documents that were filed into court. Cause sometimes it doesn't feel like that's as even, and there's a lot there. Um, if you want to have experts on or however the media is going to handle it, like make sure you're covering um, that side of it too, because Watson is coming with a lot of money, a lot of power. And I think, you know, it's, it's complicated and it's tricky how that plays into how the whole media and NFL structure is set up. Yeah. I think that's really well said. Um, I, I couldn't agree more, and I, I wouldn't add too much other than the fact that I, I would just go back and read that um, SI article by Jenny Brentis that, to me, um, that, that cut through some stuff for me. And, you know, yes, maybe in this um, wide array of lawsuits are, are a couple of them um, something they can go try to pick apart? Sure. But does that mean that, that you can you throw the baby out with the bathwater? I mean, there's a lot happening here, and it just from a football angle— um, like even last week, I believe it was said by Ian or someone that there may still be some interest out there in trading for Deshaun Watson. I don't want to put that on him, but I did hear that. And it's like from who and how, like from a football, purely football angle, I think that all has to be shut down because suddenly like a new team would be taking on all this. No, like this, this is like not right now. And speaking of uh, Deshaun Watson's current team, general manager, Nick Casario, um, did not address Watson's trade availability or anything going on with his legal accusations in a, a recent meeting with reporters. He, he had this quote, if you want to speculate, you should probably go buy Bitcoin. Focus on that. All right, bro. Okay. All right. Good bit. All right. On, uh, in other news, a couple transactions here. Um, we talked about Jadavian Clowney going to the Browns, uh, they in a corresponding move, or certainly seems like one, the Browns released defensive tackle Sheldon Richardson, who is due $12 million this year. Um, so the addition of Clowney essentially costs you, Mark. Richardson, are you okay with that trade-off? I, I think it's definitely like a loss. Um, he played well for them last year. <clears throat> there were there was speculation that that would be kind of like the other level lever pull there. Um, you know, I think Clowney can, it's not just someone who plays on the outside. You can play him on the inside a little bit. They have Malik Jackson. Um, they've got a guy, Andrew Billings, who, you know, is developmental. Um, but this was unpopular. This is one of the few things that, um, from what I, you know, heard little whispers that, that Andrew Barry has been very popular with players, but this was an unpopular move in the locker room that Sheldon Richardson was, um, pretty beloved. So I, I, I would say this, you know, from a need standpoint, that becomes another need in the draft that they're a little thin there. In, Very surprising, uh, surprising move. Yeah, Played well for them. He, Your boy. he was really good Your, for the former so. Jet. In other news, James Conner 
is a member of the Arizona Cardinals. This is a little bit ancient now, uh, but we haven't had a chance to discuss it. But uh, former Steelers starting running back signs a one-year, $1.7 million contract with Arizona, uh, where he will, I guess, split backfield duties with Chase Edmonds. Your thoughts, boys? I just like, you know, you getting on them. I guess we were off air last week, just... Oh yeah, the no. Card- it's like... Cardinals having that whole, you know, setting up the team your dad likes. Like right. they've set the, the off season for casuals. You called it. Yeah, it's the off season for your like your casual, you know, buddy who somewhat follows football. And then you look at their off season and like who have they added? James Conner, that guy was a big story uh, with the Steelers. And then you got JJ Watt. Oh my goodness, AJ Green. <laughs> what a team! Says the basic who barely follows the league. I hope Steve Kime doesn't fall in that category or it's going to be a long season. Sure. I I think your take is totally accurate, though. It's like you built an all-star team from half a decade ago. It's funny. I like like the Watt signing. I still do. His his contract looks better for Watt uh, the further we got out from it because at the time you weren't sure what the market was going to be, and he really got top of the market, I'm the man, money compared to what other pass rushers got. And finally in the news, the Bengals have new uniforms. Let's hear it. Let's hear a little soundbite from the video they put out. <laughs> hey, where's Burrow? Burrow's there. He's wearing the white uniform. He looks healthy. I don't see a limp in that video. So good luck to him on his continued knee recovery. Uh, what do you think about the, these uniforms? They seem whatever to me. The, the Bengals uniforms have always been unique i liked them when i was eight and they went to the super bowl with boomer sison but now i find them to be a little bit cheesy but also different and different's good what do you think mark um you know so these all these new like rollouts they have all these different combinations uh and i don't like i'm looking you know down here at the various ones one of them stands out to me as beautiful and it's the burrow white on white i think it's an honestly awesome look and i think they did that as um like a, a, a sort of from the wilderness uh, version last year, and it looked really clean. I just I want uniforms in general to be less noisy, um, less chaotic. But I I do find it um, you know. And listen, obviously I'm a Browns fan. The Bengals are not a team I've warmed up to uh, in general. I they were pulled essentially the same way the Ravens came from Cleveland. The, the Bengals essentially came from the Browns because Paul Brown is you know excised out of Cleveland and goes and starts his own essentially revenge team. And they've been a frisky, um, you know, here and there, but not, but they've been a, in darkness as well. But in, in, to have Paul Brown's name on inside the neck um, thing, to me, I just find that um, as a signature comment that you are just essentially struggling to be your own thing. But that's, that's my own personal issue. Um, I'm with you, Dan. I find, I've always found their helmets to be a little, a little bit cheesy. They kind of, here's the thing. You could have gone to Cincinnati and started a new team with a completely different color scheme. Instead, you basically go and make uniforms that look a sort of like a lower rent version of a Brown's yeah. current classic uniforms. And I struggle Greg. with that. Um, Greg, there we you go. know, the, the Browns have one eleven and five season, and look at this guy on Mount Pius talking yeah. down to Cincinnati. Yeah, I, he. You. It is, is like really important for me. you that like the Browns are this great franchise. At least we're not the Bengals. Like that's kind of your your mo right now. It feels like. Well, that's been my mo for right. know, the entire century, I would say. But it's not just because the Browns went eleven and five. I mean, there are <laughs> a lot of similar parallels between these two franchises. You're basically like, Sam White. You're you're Sam Weiss when he was like, you know, when he went after Cleveland. It's like really important to each of those teams. At least we're not the other team. I mean, if you if you're Paul Brown, you could say like, hey, you kicked me out there. I had to go start another sure. new I team. I would just by say myself. like spinoffs in general are lackluster. And so if you're going to create a spinoff, <laughs> you know, come with some original fire. And they they to me have struggled to I struggle to identify the original fire. It's it's funny because now Wes I get would probably it. throw a brick at my head if he were here. So you know, I get I the yes, he would. He would not be happy with this analysis. But uh, I get the Ravens thing, obviously with you, Mark. The Steelers thing, totally understand and got why that was such an important moment for you as a fan in January when they got the big playoff win. Picking down at Cincinnati, picking on Cincinnati. I just that's the only I can't get on board with this. It just it doesn't. It's mm. like me, it like uh, like a Bills fan trashing a Jets fan or something. It's just like kind of has-beens or have-nots, I should say, um, just kind of leave each other alone and and focus on the real bullies. I don't know. 
Well, they're in the same state. You know, there there is there is well, you'd hope for that to be a legitimate rivalry. Mm. And what I'm trying to do is fire them up to make this a real <laughs> oh, rivalry again. Oh, now it's I a, see. Okay, it's that, a Paul Brown clear. thing. Now I realize it because ultimately the Browns try to pretend like they're the old Browns, but they're kind of an expansion team from '95. And Paul Brown, being the godfather of football, is almost it's, it's like all they have. But now, you know, they got Paul Brown on the back of the Bengals. It's like, what, what are they going to put on the back of the new Browns? Like Kelly Holcomb or something? Like what? Right. It's oh psychological warfare, and I identify <laughs> it as such. All right. That's what's happening in the news. All right. Let's get into the MVP talk. But before we do, I think we have a special guest uh, joining us here. Wow. Who has some business that he wants to deal with. I mean, here he is. Matt Money. I was hoping it was Henry to talk about the Chilean two-lane basketball player. That's Greg. That's not how you um, intro a guest. You were hoping it was a different guest. You know what? The uh, the the look of of curiosity, then followed by impending dread, is all the introduction I need on the face of Greg Rosenthal. Yeah, (laughs) Matt uh, Money Smith. There he is. And the reason Matt's here, and I'm going to tee you up this way, Matt, (laughs) and then I'm going to let you um, just do what you got to do. Um, Matt, obviously a man deeply uh, connected to the music world and and one of his many successful careers. Uh, Something Greg Rosenthal said on last week's podcast really stuck in money's craw. Uh, Ricky, can you call that up? You know, we're not some, forgetting some about stuff, the Delaware tapes, nice but track. also yeah. some like cover cover songs of like Kiss and uh, you know Ugly Kid Joe and and Guns and You're Roses. You're an A plus deflector, day. but Dan and I are not um, off the case. Money, the floor is yours. Yes. So uh, I love the Around the NFL podcast. I listen to it regularly. Um, and uh, it's always great, uh, great entertainment, informative. It kind of gives you a little bit of everything, right? A little personality. Uh, we get some, some real life experiences. And, and in this case, it was Greg and uh, his brother, Dean, who was being celebrated. And I believe you were, you were kind of singing the praises of your brother, saying, look, this is someone who went to college to play music. This isn't just some dude that grabbed an acoustic guitar, rolled down to the quad, and tried to get a couple of the alpha fees to go home with him. You know, this is someone who was <laughs> trained to be a professional musician. And, and then, unfortunately, you stick him with – you, you, you got him with Kiss, which is fine. I mean, look, one of the all-time great rock bands, uh, 1970s Destroyer, Strutter, two of the great rock records. Uh, you then bring in Guns N' Roses for some mid-'80s to early-'90s fare. Uh, you know, obviously, Appetite for Destruction, one of the all-time rock records. And then somehow, in between those two, he <laughs> a band out of Palo Alto, California, called Ugly Kid Joe. And I, <laughs> and I just sent a text as I was listening to it immediately in the moment, like, you know, someone's got to be there to call Greg out when these things cut. Like that, that band has no business being stuck to de- to your brother Dean as a professionally trained <laughs> musician. Like, hey, you know, you play stuff like Kiss and Guns and Roses and Ugly Kid Joe. That that is one that you would leave off of the resume. You would replace it with ACDC or or something along those lines, Greg. I'm just given a slice of life of what was being played in bars uh, by 16-year-olds in 1989 or 1990. And, yeah, you got your, your Kiss and your Guns N' Roses, but you also got I Hate Everything About You, the number one single. I don't know if it was number one, but it probably was by was Ugly Kid Joe. It was a big hit. So you play with the they played what the people want. I mean, he still it has nothing to do with him as a musician. It's just saying facts. He's still a musician. He's a classical music composer right now. He's a professional. And I bet he would stand by Ugly Kid Joe. Well, this you is know? it was a hit. So this is what's funny about this, right? Is as Greg and I and, and Mark and Dan, you were on the text thread, something came up um, as to Greg explaining why he said Ugly Kid Joe. And I think it really speaks to the personality <laughs> of Greg Rosenthal, right? So here's his brother, accomplished, classically trained musician. Ooh, like he could have picked here. any group yep. or any songs, but he said, well, and it speaks to his narcissism and his <laughs> ego because he said, well, you know, one time during rehearsal, yeah. I got to sing Ugly Kid Joe. Yeah. So far be it from Greg to remember any of the, the staples or any of the great accomplishments, you know, maybe – uh a particular solo or a Pink Floyd epic sure. that, that would stick with him. Instead, it was sure. the time I got to have a piece of Dean Rosenthal's <laughs> themed musical career is what I remember as I choose to celebrate my brother. 
what I'm supposed to go crazy about the Steve Vi, Stevie Vi, like 11 minute solo down there. And I'll yeah. bore me. No, I was 11 years old at the time. I'm going to remember the time that the singer wasn't there. And you're like, Hey, Greg, can you play this song with us six straight times? That's what's going to imprint in my mind. Cause it is a fun song to just kind of yell out. If you want to just do it in your car today, you'll have a good time. Lenny. Money, I, uh, I hope we haven't lost you as a, a listener due no. to Greg's misstep. No, 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 okay. no, not at all. I just, uh, I felt, look, I don't, I don't know. The one um, hit wonder, you know, one hit wonders happen. I, and as that. I said to you on the text thread, look, uh, because you tried to come back with, at least I didn't mention extreme. Yeah. And I said, there's some, a lot of extreme going on. Mr. Big. That was another one. Mr. Big. Oh, that, was, that was rough. Yeah. And I said, sometimes you got to fill the tip jar. You know, sometimes you check your dignity at the door and you got to fill the tip jar. And that's what life is like as a, uh, as a cover band that rolls from bar to bar. And, you're, in and your daughter is a, is a singer and performer, I, I, I've noticed. Are you, do you rigidly um, like go over her playlist and say yes or no to various songs? This is the sad thing about that question, Mark. And thanks for asking. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I do. And I explained to her that as a former music director that used to program a station and would slot every single song in every single place throughout the course of a 24 hour day. So this is what we're going to do, babe. All right. So I, I see you're going to kind of open with, uh, with some Michael oh Jackson. I want you back. And then, uh, and then, or uh, give me one more chance. I said, and then we're going to come with like a nice vibe with I'm yours, but then I got to come with some rock. So there's going to be some older people there, all right? So let's let's bring in the CCR right here. And then if you want, we can back it up with one of your pop songs that you want to play. But then I want you to come right back with some rock, all right? So, so right oh here. Oh, my God, she must find you so annoying. Right. Yeah. Speaking of Michael Jackson, you're the Joe Jackson here. It's like, leave me alone, Dad, after a while. Little, well, let me, let me you live. Know what, right? Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. He's driving I, I, her there, too. So, you know. But, but I do think some of those, you know, as you see the, uh, look. Just like you guys, I put my pants on one leg at a time. <laughs> but when I do, he's pointing to his gold I make gold and platinum him. records. But, uh, so, uh, so I know you have the tracker. And she did. Uh, she did walk out of that joint. Well, I probably shouldn't say it because maybe the IRS will come after. But she did walk out of that joint with uh, two hundred thirty-six bucks in her pocket. So I like to think that's awesome. The uh, the playlist maybe had a little. I listen. Well done. And my, uh, my my complaints and my issues and my gripes notwithstanding, I do not want to derail the around the NFL podcast. No, uh, and I just from further NFL analysis. Since you, yeah, <laughs> you know, it but it's fine. Since you brought up extreme, it just I love that whole era of music, the hair metal, because they were all so conflicted. They wanted to be like badass rock stars, uh, but then they got into this formulas money. I'm sure you knew it was a little before your time, I think, in the in that, that game. But like it was like you had to have a ballad on there. So then extreme would put on more than words and it would be a huge top ten hit that everyone knows. And then they would panic and be like, Okay, we gotta name our album something rock. So they called it Extreme Two, Colin, porno graffiti. So more than words is on an album called Stream Two Pornography. Oh my Indeed. god! Indeed, it's all about the presentation. Um, all right, let's get to it. Money, would you mind sitting in for the rest of the show? What the hell? Not at all. I mean, cool. as long wow. as Greg's okay with it. Oh, see, there it is. There's, there is. That's just the that is <laughs> so perfectly just the stinging. Oh wow! Well, I thought you were just coming in to talk about <laughs> talk about more. You know, ugly kid Joe. That is how Greg earned his reputation with just a very subtle, wow. <laughs> Whenever you want to come on the show and in your mind put Greg in his place, you know the door is always open. Well, you know, wide it. open. Money's yeah, these, these guys are too, they're too afraid to do it, I guess. I don't know. Certainly not too afraid, but it's like when you do this with Greg, he's never going to give an inch or, or say your side right. of it makes some sense. And it just becomes a total de- derailment of the show. But in this case, I thought with you involved, it would be fun. Yeah, well, hey, he still stood his ground. He then played the, I was 11 years old and playing with my brother. How dare you? <laughs> Instead of just saying, you know what, you're right. I should probably celebrate Dean and mention that he played Queen and he played some of the other great staples back then instead of Ugly Kid Joe, which is just Won't a scourge. Nobody won't. You see, you yeah. see it even in the face, in the facial yeah, expressions it. for those that are watching. <laughs> All right, let's get <laughs> into it. Yeah. All right, so as you have no doubt heard money, as the voice of the Chargers, uh, you are plugged in to NFL Matters. There's a, a huge new partnership with the NFL. Greg, speaking of as we get back to the NFL or getting closer to the NFL, you're on fire about this new uh, NFL official uh, partnership with uh, various betting companies. And you you were so fired up about it that you made us kind of uh, reconfigure the A block of our TV show last Friday just to talk about it. 
And Mark and I were kind of shrugging our shoulders, like, I don't know, this doesn't mean much yeah, to me. No Why do you cared. think the producers didn't care? We hey, we got to get four minutes in on Alden Smith getting 400 snaps with the Seahawks. Um, <laughs> no, let's how about talk about the NFL completely changing course from what they've done for the last 50 plus years? It's obviously been heading in this direction, but I, I did think the announcement it was with Caesar Sportsbook and then DraftKings and FanDuel, uh, you know, about being the official partners was pretty seismic when you think about where the NFL was, even when we started working at it, Dan and, and Mark and money, like how totally off, off the radar, you couldn't talk about it. It was, the, it was the third rail. And now here they are making business deals with partnerships. And I do think it's going to change the coverage on television and our network. And that's why I thought it was worth talking about too, is that I do think moving forward, it's going to be a bigger part of the game and people are just going to have to deal with it. I would say, I feel, um, not by you, Greg, per se, but just um, in general, as I see the uh, the avalanche of enthusiasm that will be attached to this, kind of like forced to be excited about like the gambling um, Vegas side of things. And like, I, I'm not like someone that like pours over um, spreads and things, but like, do I, it, will I learn that? I'll, I'll learn that. They got to be careful. I learned a bunch I think you're of right. Them, but... They got to be careful not to turn off the people who don't care. So it, it's it's a fine line, but you do think like, I think, quickly like Paul Hornig suspended for the year in 1963 he was Tim Tebow if Tim Tebow was a hall of fame player that's how big of a superstar he was and they suspended him for the year for betting on sports they suspended Alex Karras you know the future Mr. Papadopoulos on Webster I think it was yeah Yeah. for a year and like ever since then it's like the you know they've been trying to stay as far away from sports betting that's the worst thing in the world and now it's like now that it's starting to be legal in all the states um, which our international listeners might not know it's like slowly becoming legal in all these different states now the NFL is getting all about it because they're about that guap they see it's a way to make some money. Well, I think there's, you know, I, I, you know, when you mentioned Paul Horning and Alex Karras, I think it's always, you know, important to remember the amount of money those guys were making to play football at the time, right? And that's right. what the great right. year was. Right. So you, you could make more money, you know, through the world of sports gambling and conversely, their great fear being on the take. Um, you, you know, playing football was not going to set you up to, you know, it's not going to give you a pension. You're not going to be able to live off that salary for the rest of your life. So that was their great fear, right? But now, and I think this is, I think it's in addition to the fact that it's become so popular, obviously, you know, as you mentioned, Greg, DraftKings, FanDuel, partnering with those two establishments and just look at the market to see what those kind of companies are doing these days. But also, I think the fact that players do not want to risk $100 million contracts or even $15 million contracts, right, to, to do something nefarious that would put the integrity of the game at stake. And so I think with player salaries entrenched, at least those that perhaps could have a huge impact on the game, save maybe a kicker who could be on the take, but don't have the overall impact in a game to be able to determine the outcome, right? Unless it's in the very balance in the final sec, in the balance in the very final second. So I think that all came together where the idea that players could be influenced, that the game, the integrity of the game could be compromised. I, I, I find that very hard to believe. And, and I think that's a big reason why we're now going to start going down, you know, this road. And, and I think, like you said, you know, the interesting thing will be how they present it. Is it a second screen? Is it, is it through your computer screen only? Is it part of the TV broadcast? Because you would assume with the fact that Fox has Fox bats, right, that, that they're going to want some of that and, and they're not going to want it all go to, to you know, entities that, that don't have a, you know, don't have cheese in the, in the contracts for those broadcasts themselves. So Al think- Michaels won't have to be so um, covert and, you know, hyper subtle about his gambling uh, you know, verbal <laughs> right. bombs at the end of games anymore. So. And neither will, neither will Greg. That's good, too. And I think with uh, kickers, too, just to be safe, I think we should start sequestering them August to February, like the OJ jury. Just, like, shut them to keep them out of the world for five months and then reintroduce them to society. All right, speaking of DraftKings, um, they released their NFL MVP odds. So uh, before we go today, why don't we just kick around some interesting um, uh, players on this list. It may not be a surprise to you, but Patrick Mahomes, is the favorite here with Aaron Rodgers right behind him and Josh Allen rounding out the top three, but um, a bit of a distant third. Um, Money, when you looked at this list, was there a player, and it goes about 25, 30 deep, that jumped out to you as someone that makes sense as a potential sneaky MVP candidate? Well, you know, there were a couple things, I think, that, that jumped out at me. One is, 
And I think we saw this with Aaron Rodgers this past year, right? I think there's always a sentimental favorite, you know, somebody that you'd like to, you know, man, Aaron Rodgers needs another MVP on his resume. He's arguably the best, you know, quarterback thrower, whatever you want to tag him with of his, of his era. Um, so, you know, he was able to put the numbers together and they were able to win enough games to, to bring that to fruition. So to me, I think it's clear, at least I think, I don't know, tell me if I'm wrong, but someone who had to serve his time in Detroit for all those years, I would assume Matthew Stafford's got to be the sentimental Ooh. favorite combined with, you know, everybody likes Sean McVay. He's great with the media. His offense is fun. You could even maybe point to him as someone that, you know, kind of opened things up, even though it's Kyle Shanahan's tree that, you know, that he is the fruit that fell off of. Uh, he's a big reason why so many of these offenses look the way they do. So to he's... me, that's kind of your sentimental favorite. Can can he put up the numbers? Can he play at a level? Can the Rams win enough games? Um, I think it's tough to to see Mahomes or or Brady, I mean, uh, Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers winning one again so soon when Tom Brady put up an MVP campaign last year. I mean, he, you could make as compelling a case for him as you could for Aaron Rodgers. Um, so I think it, all things being equal, if they're all putting up similar numbers, you look at what's become of the NFC South with the retirement of Drew Brees and, you know, kind of the situation uh, with Carolina and Atlanta, it looks like they're going to probably win a lot more games. Everybody's back. So um, those two, I, I think, kind of stand ahead of others. And then for me, I think the long shot, is kind of what we did with Kyler Murray last year, and that's Justin Herbert, right? A guy who played behind the worst offensive line in the league last year and still put up 4,400 yards, 31 touchdowns in 15 games uh, and was without Austin Eckler um, for, for eight or nine of those games. So mm. I think that's kind of maybe the, the categories that I see. The Stafford. crazy thing was they're close together. You know, Stafford was fifth plus 1,500. Brady was sixth plus 1,600. And Herbert's in the top 10 plus 1,800. Yeah. So they're kind of in the same ballpark. Herbert getting some love there. I'm a little stunned that Stafford's that high. A ahead of Brady, just barely. Ahead of Lamar Jackson. Ahead of Dak Prescott. Um, but there's a narrative built into this. Kyler Murray, to me, he's kind of middle of the pack here, plus 1,800. He's, he jumps out to me as a guy to get behind uh, because he can give you that uh, 1,000 yard season and he could put a team on his back. And then at the end of the year, 4,000 yards passing, 44 total touchdowns, a big rushing year for a playoff team. And that makes sense to me. He would be, if I had to pick one guy from kind of the middle of the pack um, at plus 1800, Kyler, Kyler Murray's my guy. See, I am totally with money on Justin Herbert. He jumped out to me. I don't think this team is going to be anything but enjoyable to watch. Um, we've already talked about, my Brandon Staley fascination. So, you know, I marry all this together. I think they're going to be a different club. I am offended um, that Derek Henry at plus 3,300 is below Carson Wentz. I understand that Derek Henry is not going to run for 2,000 yards again, but the idea that Car Carson Wentz just feels to me oh, shotgun from a couple years ago in this hang exercise. On, hang on. You, you more than anyone else on this podcast have spoke about what annoys you about the MVP race and how it's narrative driven and all that, like quarterbacks are kind of where it's at. That's why a quarterback almost always wins. So I'm not talking about from what, what I think about Carson Wentz, the player uh, against Derrick Henry, who's a hall of fame level running back. But when you're building out odds for the MVP, I think it's, it's close that Wentz, if he had a bounce back season with Frank Reich on a great Colts team, potentially, I think that actually makes sense yeah. in terms of odds. I hear what you're saying, but I just don't believe it. Like, I just right. don't like Carson Wentz spotted, well, that's spotted where he is. Right. Well, that's, 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 what, that's what you're ultimately picking on. So I'm with Mark that, like, Carson Wentz is one of the worst quarterbacks in the entire NFL last year. There's little reason to think that he's going to be a top 10 quarterback. At plus 3,000, though. Much, that's Greg, like 13. That's terrible what, odds. No, that's terrible. To people what plus 3,000 means. It means, you know, if you put 100 down, you would, you would get 3,000. But right. that is... Go. That is the that is the thirteenth most likely player though, which seems insane to me for a guy who right. it wouldn't surprise me if he's not a starter anymore in a year or two. Well, and I, I, I love one guy above the pack here in the middle of the pack. I think Mahomes is easily the best way to go here. He's still plus five hundred to me. I give him about a one in two or three chance every season until yeah. I'm proven otherwise because he's just that good. So he would be my number one. But Pres Dak Prescott. Down uh, around eighth or ninth at plus seventeen hundred. You talked about narrative driven. I think him uh, coming off um, his injury, coming mm -hmm. off obviously tough, you know, year personally, and and just um, getting that contract. If he plays lights out, and I just think he's that good that he could do it. 
And I it's love the Cowboys. Him. And it's the Cowboys. Him in the middle of the pack is the guy that's, that I would go before. So just, you know, I, I think as you mentioned, Dan, hey, so what, you know, plus 3,000, you know, what's that mean? I think it's also <laughs> important to remember the reason those numbers are there is because they want action on those numbers. So they're trying to figure out what is the number where we can get people to say, oh, you know what? I like Carson Wentz. You know, I remember <laughs> right, the MVP that's... campaign from three years ago, hundred bucks right. to win three grand. Let's go. So I think that's kind of, which is why you see the numbers change so dramatically when you right. kind of get out of the realistic candidates. Um, it, but I think to your point, Greg, to, to Patrick Mahomes, you know, giving him a one and two or a one and three chance. Um, I look at Josh Allen, right. And I, I think you just have to ask yourself, was it an outlier year or have we seen this steady climb, right? You know, from year one to year two, and then from year two to year three, Brian Dable stays there. You look at their, uh, their schedule, it's AFC East, obviously, and then NFC and AFC South. So I think that's really friendly. You know, their first place schedule gets them the Steelers uh, and the Chiefs. So you just kind of, I think that's what you got to balance, right? The guy's completion percentage was 10 points higher. His passer rating was 25 points higher than the year before. Are those outlier numbers, or if the Bills win again, we know they're always a great story, and that's such a big part of it, right? Oh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, they drafted Jordan Love. He's got no pass catchers. They want to run him out of Green Bay. Wouldn't it be something if he had an MVP season? Oh, what do you know? He did have an MVP season. You know, people want that confirmation bias. And I think the Bills were always that great story. And um, so to me, like at plus 1,300, that's a that's a nice mm. little nugget right there. It's how Allen got a few votes last year. And Mahomes didn't. Because I, right. I, I know he ended strong, and I know he was great. You, you just can't tell me that. Josh Allen was better than Patrick. You know what? I start, I'm starting to like this uh, Vegas stuff because I'm seeing something right here that stands <laughs> out to me. And I'm going to go take $500 out of the Sessler checking no, no. account. No, I'm going to drop it on Devontae Adams at I'm plus 10000 We're not allowed. They're not I know taking they changed $500 the rule. out You're of anywhere. Do that. <laughs> in theory, but I just say it's not even the imagination theory. to put five hundred dollars on Devonte Adams at plus ten thousand. Hello. In <laughs> theory, <laughs> you know we can talk about it now, but as NFL Reframe employees, it, okay, as NFL well, employees, I'm learning the rules how to not change. So we are yes. not. We are not getting right. in the mix here. Not out of the Sessler bank account. I maybe you know. Am I allowed to tell someone else to do that? No, no I wouldn't do that either. No, I would say <laughs> okay. definitely. Roger no. Goodell. He sends us this integrity thing, and we sign it. You've signed it, Mark. No, no one I've will ever hear this, before. other than the now four I'm people feeling, on this right now. Feeling very tempted. <laughs> By the way, yes, you are. Speaking of Vegas, plus eight thousand for Drew Locke. You're going to have to go higher than that to entice people <laughs> to get in on that one. That, that is crazy to me. And then my my final thought is. Along the same lines of, as Dak Prescott, um, it happens every September when he gets out to a hot start. Everyone just is talking about Russell Wilson, MVP. He's never won MVP. He's Russell Wilson. Is yeah. this a year he wins MVP? The fact that that's already kind of a, a construct around discussing Russell Wilson helps in this type of uh, exercise. So if, if he is allowed to cook, as they say, and has that monster season, the fact that he has not won an MVP and is one of the game's best quarterbacks of this generation. I, I feel like that at plus 1300 is a good pick. Well, and also I think you have to project who's going to win the division, right? It's, it's probably going to be hard to win an MVP unless you're a, uh, say, I don't know what, 12 win wild card right. team, you know, you gotta be, you know, one 11 win wild card team. So what's, you know, for Josh Allen, what's the AFC East look like for Tom Brady, the NFC South for Patrick Mahomes, the AFC West. And I think for Russell Wilson, I mean, I, are, are we scared of a, a Niners team, even with that great defense, with with a rookie quarterback? Are you really scared of the the, the Cardinals? And, and what are we going to make? It's a good you division. Know? Yeah, it is. But, I mean, you know what I mean? It's not like if you're trying to bet Herbert, you're probably going to have to knock off the Chiefs. And that's – I don't know if they're ready to take that step. Yeah, maybe they are. But you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of what yeah, you got to figure out. It's a good way out. to look at it. Yeah. Well, and Russ, Russ, unlike maybe any quarterback ever, I think he could change the game. He, he's he's going to campaign. I mean, he basically did. He <laughs> yes, started. He, <laughs> he started an MVP campaign last year. He got it going behind the scenes and in front of the mic. He's going to be like the first movie producer that really started putting ads out in the trade papers, looking for best Oscars, best pictures, whenever someone started doing that, that's going to be Russell Wilson. He'll just start putting one page advertisements into sports illustrated to vote for him. Or he'll just do what Notre Dame did for Joe Thiesman, right? And changes, (laughs) literally change the pronunciation of the man's name to Joe Thiesman instead of Thiesman. Whoa. 
Yeah. I didn't know that story. Yeah. I didn't either. I was exactly. just about to come after you for mispronouncing one of the great Washington quarterbacks ever. And there yeah. you go. Uh, change drop the pronunciation of his name. Remember, Joe, remember Oregon made Joey Harrington, Joey Heisman, and they bought that giant uh, billboard in Times Square when they were trying to get him to win the Heisman campaign. Oh, yeah. I guess uh, the old – that's what they need to do, Greg. They just – you take a page from the colleges mm-hmm. about their Heisman campaigns. You apply it. You know, Russell can get his, uh, I don't know, Team Cook, whatever he calls them. To, to get on that and just start now, plant those seeds. Money, you you said it all. I do. You did. I say too much. Three I to seven much. p.m. Petros and money if you're local, but actually you can get it anywhere now. You can. The I internet heard, works. Uh, oh yeah. I heard. I radio. wish they could see the tan that money has uh, from surfing every day. Uh, That's a surfer right there. Mm, Me and the boys right actually money. Um, uh, we went to Manhattan Beach uh, and got breakfast at this amazing diner called the Kettle. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been there forever. Oh, I love the kettle. Oh, it's awesome. And I had never been there. We loved it. And then we walked, and the pier is right there. We walked out on the Manhattan Beach Pier, and he had all the surfers out. And uh, I looked down at it. I did think of you because I know you're an avid surfer. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to be a surfer. It's just it's not where I come from. It's not who I am. I don't yeah. like to imagine myself in the in the wetsuit. Sure. Uh, it's just not going to be something that I would do. But I looked at my two sons who are California boys, and I'm like, this I feel like this is an attainable dream for you boys because it looks so calm and peaceful. What a it great is. way to spend a Sunday morning. It is. Bring him down, Dan. And, uh, you know, this is what's in their future. See that? That's me getting uh, attacked by the <laughs> fins of my board. That was just uh, yesterday or Saturday. So that's that the fins of something else. Little, uh, where is it? There we go. Yeah, there you go. The spacing in the, uh, in the, the, the two fins on the side of the board coming up to get me because the weight was a little too big. And, well, this old man got a little too aggressive, and sometimes <laughs> you got to be reminded the ocean's boss, not the not the we man sh- in the ocean. We still go hang out at the kettle sometime. Isn't that open twenty four seven? It is. I was going to say I've uh, I've seen many a uh, many a person duck under that table and well lose a little bit of weight, if you will, after a long <laughs> night of drinking. <laughs> That's what I think of when I think of the kettle. Can you, can you please tell Petros that um, he brings me immense joy, and I find his wardrobe to be a total fascination. Uh, <laughs> he, he tweets out and Instagrams little accoutrements and pieces of jewelry. He is a very unusual man. Yes, he is. He has his own style. Unlike me, who just rolls with a solid polo, nice surfer tan, side part. It's very boring. <laughs> well, you you complement each other well. Exactly. So. Do you want to share with the audience, Money? The most fascinating thing I learned about you during our Power Rankings television show tapings was what you use as hair product. For oh, that. and I used it today. Yep. Uh, I use hand lotion. That is, uh, that's an old broadcaster's trick. If you ever go on the road <laughs> and you forget your hair gel and you've got to be on TV, hotel hand lotion doubles as it'll, it'll hold your hair in, in place. Um, and to this day, uh, yeah, this is, this is just straight, uh, Jergens? Like, what are we talking? I think this is gold bond. I think, uh, because, you know, I spend a lot of time in the water, so my hands get super dry. Um, sure. So this is just gold bond. I know Greg is so fascinated by this. No, I think I would never have known. I'm into it. Yeah, no, it's uh, try it. Give it. A, I know Dan would never, but I think I can uh, entrust Mark and Greg to give it. a I go. have gold bond speak. like literally up the hallway. So give I give it a go. You know, I don't give have your go. hair, but I, I do yeah. have gold. I mean, bond. when you got when you got it going on like this, you just go natural. You That's know? it. It's all natural and clean shaven. Clean shaven today for, uh, oh, by the way, I'll give you this little nugget before I go, yes. Greg, because uh, in honor of you being clean shaven, today's um, dead guy birthday of the day is Richard Harding Davis. And uh, he would have been, what, 157, 157 today, turn of the century, uh, big editor of the New York Evening Sun, Philadelphia Record, Philadelphia Press, very close friends with Teddy Roosevelt, would kind of mock, you know, would, would kind of share all the exploits of the Rough Riders, celebrate his victories and accomplishments as a man's man. But mm, not the DMX Rough Riders. This was, this, yeah, this was a little, okay. just slightly before their time. Yeah. Um, heroic. But he's a very good looking man. And mm. he was the person that was like, hey, with this square jaw, and these features, I don't know what these people are doing with all the fuzz on their face, but clean shaven is the way I go. And he started a trend at the turn of the century of men actually going completely clean shaven. No mustache, no beard, no mutton chops, none of that, because he had that beautiful face that he wanted to share with the world. And then dude started shaving completely then. So uh, we owe it to him 
uh, Richard Harding <laughs> Davis. There you go, Dickie Davis. Oh my God, Dickie Davis, wherever you are, Dickie, <laughs> we doff our cap to you, yes. good sir, and uh, same to you, money. Thank you, buddy, uh, for joining us and uh, putting Greg in line. And remember, it's an open invite anytime. If you don't yeah. think that Mark and I are keeping Greg honest about something, hop on the show and uh, and have your way. We need I, that. We we can bring on a heavy sometimes, and you can play. We that can sponsor role. it. Let's get it sponsored. You got a nice jaw there bomb. too. Now that you mention it, it's like yeah, yeah. You should, it's keeping yeah, it's, clean shaven. I got, kinda, I got that butt chin thing going, you know. It, uh, <laughs> it's not necessarily as uh, attractive, but uh, you know what's interesting? I think it, well, that see now this is not right. I shouldn't have said that. All of my all of my <laughs> issues, all of my points of contention, they're trifles. They're they're you know uh, they're ancillary conversations. They're add-ons. They're not part of the driving narrative of that episode of around the mm. NFL. You know what I mean? They're meant to be asides, and then we just move right. on from the aside. But instead, I, I hook into it, and I can't let go. <laughs> uh, and it really is one of my great faults. So I apologize to the around the NFL listeners. You have nothing for, to uh, apologize for, and I'm sure the listeners enjoyed having you here. I enjoyed being Please, here. come As back, always. money, anytime. All right. That's Try it. taking the kids to the kettle at about 2 a.m. See what it oh. looks like. Show them both sides, you know. <laughs> Give them the breakfast. It's like, Jack, <laughs> Harry, wake up. We're taking a road <laughs> <Let's show>. trip. <laughs> All right. This is, uh, we'll be back on Thursday with another audio show, Friday a TV show. And, yes, next week, draft week, we have five shows coming up. How about that? All in the podcast variety. Uh, so a lot coming up. Uh, this is Dan Hansen signing off. For Quiet Storm, the old boss, Ricky Hollywood behind the virtual glass. And, of course, yes. Matt Money Smith and his gold bond hand. Until Thursday, eat the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.